Welcome to Highlands Church Audio Sermons. Today, June 20th, 2021, we continue our series titled Uncommon Joy, the Book of Philippians. Today's sermon, Money and the Mission of God, will be taught to us by Pastor Thomas Slager out of Philippians chapter 4, verses 14 through 20. Enjoy. We had so much fun at Vacation Bible Extreme uh, this week. And it, it, one of my favorite parts about VBS when we do those interviews, like, yeah, there's funny responses and stuff like that. Um, I love that childlike faith that we hear from kids. Right? We say, what are you learning? And it's like, no, oh, courage. Even now eating cheese, it's courage, right? Like, we're learning courage. What else? What else do you learn? Oh, we're, we're learning how Jesus' power gives us hope. What else? Jesus' power um, lets us live forever. What? Jesus' power helps us be good friends. There's all sorts of just, right away, they're like, oh, it's simple. His power gives us hope. And then you hear about kids raising money, and it's like, well, yeah, well, let's just raise money. Like, it's a simple thing. Like, if we have money, we just give it. Uh, I had one of my kids this week tell me, well, Dad, it's, if we give our money, God will save the kids. Like, if we give money, God saves the kids. Like, it's that simple. I don't know why you complicate it so much, Dad. And typically when they say we, um, I've learned this as a husband and as a father, when, they, when anyone in my house says we, it most of the time means Dad should go and do that. Um, like, hey, we should take out the trash. It's like, we are not going to. I know how this works. Like, I am the one. <laughs> Just tell me what to take out. The, okay, I'll take out the trash. Or, hey, Dad, we should, Dad, we should buy that. Oh, we should? We should? Are you going to? No, it's you, Dad. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, dad, we'll, we'll go ahead. And, or we should give to that. Dad, we should, we should help. We should, and typically that means, dad, can you, because you're the one with the job, can you go and, and do the thing that we'd like to do as a family? But this week, as was my kids said, we, they meant we. Like, we need to give our money to the kids. And to see my kids, like, crack open their piggy banks and, and their wallets. And for, do your kids collect wallets? They just love wallets. Anything that can hold something. My kids want a lot of them. Purses, wallets, bags, they're all over the place. And to see them go through their wallets and purses and bags and banks and all the things and start putting their own money into a jar and say, we're going to bring this to church because if we give our money, God will save the kids. Somewhere along the line, I don't know what happened to me, but I lost that. I think many of us have that childlike faith and childlike willingness to just give. Martin Luther said there's oftentimes three conversions that take place in the life of a believer. There's a conversion of the heart, there's a conversion of the mind, and there's a conversion of the wallet. It's typically the last thing. Charles Haddon Spurgeon, he said, the last part of a believer to be sanctified is oftentimes their pocket. Like, we're happy to give Jesus our sin. Like, yeah, take that. Please, take that away from me. We're happy to give him some of our time. We're even happy to serve and give him our talent. And all of those are really, really good things. Don't get me wrong. But for whatever reason, when it comes to giving our treasure, we're kind of a little more hesitant, right? Don't we want to make sure they're spending it wisely? And what do you know about that missions organization? Do you know all about him before you? I understand you think if you give your money, God will save the kids, but how do you really know? And, and great questions, and we should be wise with everything, and, and I totally get that, but I would love to have that childlike faith that I saw this week in our kids. To see our kids give $23,000 is amazing. It's amazing. And what we see this week in our text is that Paul has had a relationship, a really great relationship with this church in Philippi, and they've been supporting the mission with their money since the gospel began in that city. We're gonna see in our text there's no commands. 
like, no, go and do this, but we see four really great observations from which we can draw applications this morning. So I'd invite you to open to Philippians chapter four. We're looking at verses 14 through 20 as we talk about money and the mission of God. Money and the mission of God. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one somewhere around you. Um, If you don't own one, take that one, steal it, read it, believe it, do what it says, and I promise your life will be changed forever. Philippians 4, 14 through 20 says this, yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more, and well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Let me pray for us. God, well, it's my voice that's been heard. We know this morning it's your word that's been spoken, and we trust your word is the authority for our life. Holy Spirit, I ask this morning you'd open our minds that we would know you, you'd open our ears that we'd hear you, you'd open our hearts that we'd respond to love you, open our eyes that we'd see you, and open our mouths that as a result of everything seen, heard, and done in this place this morning, that we would speak of your glory all week long. God, everything we do in this place is for you and for you alone. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Four observations we see in our passage this morning, but before we get to money and the mission of God, I first want to mention briefly the mission of God. What is the mission of God? If you were to sum up the entire Bible in one word, a great word to do that with would be redemption. Redemption comes from redeeming. It's like when you take your kids to Peter Piper Pizza and they spend $25 to buy a $2 thing with their tickets. Um, They're redeeming that thing with the points they earn from playing games. Redemption is what God has done through us. He sent to us. He sent his son to die, right, to pay for our sins that if we believe in him, we live with him forever. He bought us back. He redeemed us from our sin through the death and resurrection of his son. We see the mission of God, if we look at Matthew chapter 28, it's the one thing Jesus said before he ascended into heaven. Matthew 28, 19 through 20, we know it is the great commission. For many of us, it's become the great suggestion or even just the great omission from our life. It says, go therefore, and the verbiage here works out to like, as you are going, as you're living your life, Make disciples, those are followers of Jesus, of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So what is the mission of God? It's to help people follow Jesus. It's evangelism, it's discipleship, it's going out there, sharing the good news of what God has done for us through his son, Jesus. That's the mission that God is on. And that's the mission he sent us on as well. As I said, no commands in our passage today, but we have four observations from which we can draw application. The first observation is this. Giving to God's mission is good. Giving to God's mission is good. We see this in verses 14 through 16. He begins like this. He says, yet, kind of a strange connection word here, yet it was kind of you to share in my trouble. This word share here is that same word we've seen for partnership or fellowship all throughout the book of Philippians. 
that they're partnered with Paul in the mission of sharing the gospel. He says, yet it was kind of you. As I said, yet it's a connecting word. If we rewind to verses 10 through 13, Paul just talked about how he's content, right? He doesn't have any needs. He knows how to abound. He knows how to be brought, how to brought, be brought low. He knows like how to succeed and he knows how to suffer. He knows really, really bad and he knows really, really good. And then he makes this comment, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can go through all of it. I'm not, I don't even have any needs. I can do all of it. But it was kind of you. It was kind of you to come to my aid. It was kind of you to step up and help me through the difficult times. If you've been through a difficult time and then someone's come to your aid, it's kind. How many of you, upon the birth of a child, had someone drop food off at your house? Right? And it wasn't because they're not like insulting your inability to cook. They're not saying you can't cook. They're, they're saying, let, us, let me help. I just want to help. It's kind. Or if you experience some type of trial, some type of crisis, and people step up and they, and they come to pray with you or they just come to sit with you and keep you company. They come to laugh with you. They come to cry with you. Like All of those things, it's not necessarily something you needed but it's kind, it's good. It's good for us to step up and share in people's trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, uh, he's not talking here about um, like when Jesus was here sharing the gospel and living the gospel and all that stuff. Um, He's talking about the first time he showed up to Philippi. Now, if you remember this story, in Acts 16, he shows up to this place in Philippi. He hears about a prayer gathering because there's some people who believe they're followers of God, believers in God, and the Bible doesn't tell us much more um, what that means there because a lot of people believe in God but don't really know Jesus, right? And that may have been the case in this situation. So he finds these women having a prayer gathering. He shares the gospel with them. They um, believe and they repent and they come to saving faith in Jesus Christ. They immediately get baptized and the church in Philippi is born. From there, they were going through the city sharing the gospel and Paul casts the demon out of a girl and the officials don't like that so they throw him in prison. And then that night while in prison, they're singing and worshiping because they're not just gonna sit in like sorrow because we've already seen they can do all things through Christ who strengthens them. They can go through anything. So we're just gonna continue worshiping and praising our Lord. Earthquake comes, you remember this story, the prison gates open up. The Philippian jailer, he's gonna kill himself because he's afraid of what might be done to him if these prisoners escape. And Paul says, no, we're still here. So what do they do? Instead of running away, they share the gospel with him. He gets saved, goes home, gets baptized. His house gets saved. Everyone in his family gets baptized and the church in Philippi just begins exploding. And from that day on, in the beginning of the gospel, they were partnered with him. It was like this immediate, obvious thing. I've been saved by the mission of Jesus, so I just give to the mission of Jesus. It's a no-brainer. And this is what we do. We give to things we care about, right? Maybe for you, it's um, uh, Chances and Choices Pregnancy Center we partner with. Maybe you've gone through some difficult pregnancy decisions earlier on before you knew Jesus and now you want to help people not make those same decisions. Right? Or maybe it's, uh, it's an, there's an abundance of things. 
But this, this is what it is for them because they were saved by the mission of God. They're gonna start just giving to the mission of God. This was Paul's mission too, by the way. If you look at Romans chapter 15, verse 20, the mission of Jesus became the mission of Paul. He says, I make it my ambition, that's my mission, to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. So he shows up to Philippi, preaches the gospel, the church is born, and the church begins exploding. So he says, in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me and giving and receiving except you only. Now we understand the giving part, right? They're delivering gifts, they're delivering, delivering financial resources to Paul, but what's the receiving? Uh, we really don't know. There's some speculations of what it could be. Uh, in the same way that many of our missions agencies that we partner with, when we bless them with money and send resources or food or whatever it might be, um, they will send a report back and we get to receive what God did through the stuff that we supported them with. Right? So oftentimes a missions organization will say, hey, based upon your generosity, we were able to feed X amount of kids. Um, based upon your generosity, we were able to build such and such a thing. Based upon um, our partnership with Highlands Church, we've seen X amount of people come to saving faith in Jesus through the things that are going on. We like to do these things here at Highlands Church too because we just try to model what we see in the scriptures. We do these things we call ministry moments where oftentimes a pastor or an elder or a team lead or whatever will stand on the stage much like Doug just did and give a report of what's happened because of the partnership we have here within the church. So receiving for us at Highlands Church, it looks like this. Man, this week, 120-something kids because of your faithfulness and partnership and ministry and living out the mission of Jesus through giving of your resources, 125 kids gave their life to Jesus. It looks like, man, this week, because of VBS, and we told kids, if you just, we're, we're raising money to support the GEM Foundation, which is one of our ministry partners here at the church. Receiving looks like us telling you, our kids just raised $23,000, our kids. It's amazing. And we get to receive that. We get to receive the news of what has happened because of our partnership in the gospel with each other here in Highlands Church. He says, no church entered into partnership except them only. And he says, even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and once again. A little contrast between Thessalonica and the church in Philippi. The church in Philippi is broke. Not a very well-resourced church. Didn't have a lot of money. Thessalonica, on the other hand, a very wealthy community. Very, very wealthy church. 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 5 it's Paul boasting to the church in Corinth about the faithfulness of the church in Philippi. He says, I want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty, look at those two combinations, abundance of joy and extreme poverty. What can come from that? It's overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part, for they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord. This church in Philippi, who didn't have a lot of resources, pulled together whatever they could to support Paul to go on mission in a place that was very wealthy. Even when I was in Thessalonica ministering to a wealthy church, you Philippians, you still partnered within the gospel because they got the vision, they understood it. Giving our money is good. It's good for us to invest our money in the mission of God. The second thing we see in the text, giving to God's mission is rewarding. 
Giving to God's mission is rewarding. He says, not that I seek the gift. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit, right? Because he just told him, hey, I can do all things, but, but it was kind of you. It was very kind of you to step up. But he says, here's the deal. This is not my mission. The gift, the financial resources, the gain that came from me doing ministry, that's not the point. The point was not to go out and preach Jesus to build my own kingdom. The point was to go out and preach Jesus and come what may, I might abound and I might suffer. But the point is to see the kingdom of God grow and to see people grow. This is, after all, the goal of ministry is not to grow our own kingdom, but to see the kingdom of God grow around us. Here's what the Bible says about money and ministry. 1 Thessalonians 2.5, again, Paul writing to a wealthy church. Paul says, we never came to you with words of flattery. Okay, we didn't come here like trying to stroke your ego and please people so we could have selfish gain. As you know, nor with the pretext for greed. We didn't come to your church to, to make money off you. We didn't come to your church for our own selfish gain. And this is, we see this model all over the American church, don't we? In a bad way. People making a lot, a lot, a lot of money off of their people. If you give God a dollar, he'll give you back too. So send your dollars forward because I'm trying to buy a new plane. <laughs> this is what we see. We hear stories of this. Yet the, the biblical model and the biblical mandate is don't do ministry for your own gain. We do ministry for the growth of God's kingdom and God's glory and the good of the people we're ministering to. That's the model we have. We don't use the mission of God for shameful gain, which is what he says. I didn't come here to seek the gift. I came to seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I came here for your reward. I'm not seeking the gift. I'm seeking your growth. I'm not seeking like personal financial gain. I'm seeking your fruitfulness. Ultimately, what he says here, he says, it was kind of you to give. It was also good for you to give. Because when you give, God rewards you. And I'm not totally sure how that works out. I think that works out in the next life. And there's certainly some rewarding factors of being involved in ministry here, like hearing stories of kids raising a bunch of money and hearing stories of 100-something kids coming forward because they want to believe in Jesus or hearing stories of, man, we just had a bunch of kids come back from junior high camp and kids want to get baptized. We have a bunch of students going off to high school camp tomorrow and I know lives are going to be transformed and they're going to come back and want to be baptized. We started a young adults ministry like six or seven months ago. In the last month, seven or eight people have given their life to Jesus for the first time. We have people reading their Bibles for the first time ever in their life. We have people being bold about their faith for the first time in their life. That's rewarding. That's incredibly rewarding to hear. Oftentimes when people hear that I'm a pastor, there's like a, a, there's a few potential responses. The first response I get the most is typically, I'm sorry for everything I just said or did in your presence. Right, and I'm like, I'm a pretty hard guy to offend. So I mean, talk to him about it, not to me. Like, whatever. Or oh, this is a good one. Oh, that's great. I have a relative who goes to church, and I'm like, okay. Like, oh man, that hit that that hit home deep, right? Um, or just, what's that mean? So what do you do during the week? Um, nothing at all. That's what we do during the week. Nothing. Um, and another one, which I think they mean in, in like a sympathetic way. I don't think they really mean it. At first, they say. Oh, 
that, um, that must be so rewarding. And it is. It really is. To hear about God changing people's lives for eternity. To hear about people like catching the vision of God's mission, to see people's lives transformed by the gospel, and to live that way is incredibly rewarding. This is what Paul said in 2 Corinthians, I have no greater joy than to hear my children are walking with the Lord. To see people in our church family truly walking with the Lord and living on mission with Jesus is so rewarding. To hear about kids say something as simple as, if I give money, God will save the kids. And then to see them do it and be faithful with whatever resources he's given them. It's incredibly rewarding. So I think they mean it out of sympathy, like they don't understand how rewarding it truly is. And when we partner with God and his mission, when we give money to the mission of God, we get to experience that reward. To hear about man, because I gave, this happened. I love it. Giving to God's mission is rewarding, and we get to experience that reward here in this life now, and the Bible says we get to experience it later. In Matthew chapter 6, 19 through 21, Jesus said, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal, for wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We're all looking to make a good investment Right, the best investment the Bible says we can make is into the mission of God. It's eternal. It's eternally rewarding. It never fails and it changes lives. Giving to God's mission is rewarding. Thirdly, giving to God's mission is worship. Verse 18 says this, I have received full payment and more. In other words, man, I am, I am totally content. Not only am I content like I'm I'm blessed. You've given me more than I've needed. I'm well supplied. Y'all have been so kind. You've been so generous. You've been so faithful. Even out of your poverty, you've helped me continue on in ministry. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus. This is the, like the guy who brought the, 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 all the money that they had raised to support Paul on the mission. From Epaphroditus, the gifts you sent. And this is some interesting lingo here. A fragrant offering a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. He uses Old Testament sacrificial language that we see all over, especially in Leviticus. Where we see Israel um, offered grain offerings on an altar, they'd burn them, offer meat offerings on the altar, they'd burn them. Uh, and these things, this is the Old Testament language, that they're a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. There were times in Israel, based upon the feasts and festivals and like the, the cycle of all the sacrifices being offered all the time, where Israel would have smelled like a massive barbecue, okay, like a pitmaster's competition. I don't know if it was that sweet and savory. I like to think that it was. And it says the smell that the Israelites would have smelled is a sacrifice. It's an offering. It's a fragrant offering, and it pleases God. I woke up at uh, 3.45 on Friday to throw a brisket on my smoker. That smell was a fragrant offering, acceptable and pleasing to my neighborhood. <laughs> okay, and when we cut into it, it was amazing. It's a fragrant offering. I did find out my wife prefers the fragrant offering of volcano candles from anthropology because she lit those immediately, um, but it smelled delicious. 
And this is a weird way that he says it's worship. He says when we give, when we give money to God's mission, that fragrance that the Israelites would have smelled in an offering, that fragrance you smell over a great cooked meal, it's it's like that. When we give to God's mission, the fragrance of our sacrificial giving is pleasing to God. It's a strange way to say that, but that's the way that he says it. It's a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. You know, a lot of people would say you can't please God. He's only mad at you. That's just not true. He loves you. He likes you. He's crazy about you. And we can please him with our actions. We can please him with what we do, with the resources. He's blessed us. It's a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. When we give to God's mission, it's worship. So if it's worship, why don't we take an offering in the worship center? during our worship service? It's a great question. So glad you asked that. Because we've never passed a plate in the history of our church here at Highlands. There's been a couple times we've done it um, for special offerings we're making towards missionaries or um, we just did over Christmas or Easter. Uh, We paid down medical debt. Like we raised a ton of money and paid off 10 million something dollars of medical debt in our community. And that was a special offering that we took to help the people in our community in need which is a good thing. It's a, it's a fragrant offering, a sacrifice, acceptable and pleasing to our Lord, but we just decided we're not going to pass a plate all the time in the service. And there's two main reasons we do that. The first is because it's a major turnoff to those who are exploring following Jesus. We don't want them to leave our service thinking, all they want is my money. No, God wants more than that. He wants way more than that. But as Paul said, I do. I become all things to all people. By all means, I might save some. That's our heart, that we'd see people come to saving faith in Jesus. And for many, the first time they explore faith, it might not always be in a neighborhood or over a cup of coffee or a dinner or whatever it might be. For many of them, they come into a church looking for answers. And we wanna do our part in being who we need to be in order to speak them, speak to them and reach them with the gospel. Second thing, we don't want people to do it for the wrong reasons. 2 Corinthians 9, 6, and 7 says, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver, not reluctantly or under compulsion. We don't want people, if we pass a plate, to be thinking, I guess I have to do this, because that's not what God wants. He doesn't want people giving in compulsion. He doesn't want people to give reluctantly. He wants them to do so cheerfully, to willingly give to the mission of God. So the way we do that primarily is we do online giving, a lot of that, where we just uh, hand it all on the back end so our left hand doesn't know what our right hand's doing, so the people around us don't know what we're able to give. Uh, And we have offering boxes in the back, so that's what we do. Which is, yeah, it's a worship service, so make sure you, your act of worship, you bring your gift to the Lord because it's acceptable and it's pleasing. It's a sacrifice. It's a fragrant offering, and giving to God is worship. So that's how we give here at Highlands Church. The fourth thing, the glory always goes to God. The glory always goes to God. So we've seen that giving to God's mission is good. We've seen that giving to God's mission is rewarding, and we've also seen giving to God's mission is worship. Verses 19 through 20 say this, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. In other words, man, Paul tells this church, God's got you totally covered. He's got you. Everything you need, he's gonna provide it. Maybe not all the wants, 
right? And this is something we have a hard time with. Oh, I need that, right? You're up late at night while all the ads are playing. Oh, I didn't know I needed that until I saw it. I need that. A thing that cuts watermelon that easy by just, oh, I need that. I can't cut watermelon the normal way now that I've, I need that. No, you don't. It's a want. The Bible doesn't say God's going to meet all of our wants. Many times he will. Oftentimes he won't. And we should probably be grateful he doesn't always give us what we want. But he will supply every need of ours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. It all comes from his glory and it's all for his glory. That's what verse 20 says. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. This is the purpose of everything, to glorify and worship our Father. Giving is good and it worships our Father. Giving is rewarding, and while we get to experience the joy of partnering with God in mission, the glory ultimately goes to him, and giving is worship. We always give glory where glory is due, and it's always due to our Heavenly Father. I'm gonna invite the band out, as we're gonna close in a moment here, uh, by singing to glorify him. Giving to God's mission is good. Giving to God's mission is rewarding. Giving to God's mission is worship. Everything we do, we do for him and for him alone. No commands, only observations from which we draw application. So what? Give to God's mission. That's the so what. We give to God's mission. We talk a lot uh, about next steps here with the church, right? We talk about participating. That's what you're doing here. If you're here and you're online, you're participating within the service. We talk about connecting in groups. At some point, sitting in a circle with people. Every single person needs a group of people behind them. So we connect in a group. We serve. That's what we, we had a ton of you serving all week long at VBS. We have a group who's been on a mission trip since last week. They've been serving. We have a bunch of people who volunteered at our youth camp for junior high. Just, just last week, they were serving. We have a team of people going on high school camp. They're serving. We always talk about investing. That's what this is, investing in the mission of God, giving to God's mission. And investing, it, it, it involves return. You invest because you expect to get something back from it. That's the way it works with the kingdom of God. We experience the reward in this life now and we experience the reward later. And then finally, as a next step, we talk about multiplying, bringing someone along with you in the process. Some of you have been investing in the mission for a long time. And let me say thanks. It's been awesome to partner with you in the gospel, to hear stories of lives being transformed, to hear stories of children being fed around the world who otherwise wouldn't have been, been able to eat. I mean, there's story after story after story, and through our partnership together in the gospel, God has done amazing things. Would we continue to have that childlike faith the childlike faith we saw in our kids so much this week that truly believes if I give my money, then God will save the kids. For those of you who are not yet participating in giving and investing in the mission of God, let me encourage you to do that. Let me encourage you. Uh, who? Who do we give to? Well, the New Testament models we give to our local church. And then through the local church, those funds are sent out all over the place. You can do that with a giving envelope. There's instructions on a giving envelope for how you can give. And remember, this is not, just like Paul said, it's not that I seek the gift. Okay, this is not the purpose. The purpose is not to grow our budget. That's not the point. The point is lives are being transformed through our finances. And when we give to God's mission, God does something amazing with it. 
not that we seek the gift, we seek the transformation, we seek the fruitfulness that comes from our life when we do the things that God has called us to do. We give to the church. How much should we give? Great question. The Old Testament talks a lot about a tithe. So we've embraced that as like 10%. But if you study the Old Testament, there were a couple tithes and some other stuff. It was probably like 35 or 40%. So now you're probably thinking 10 sounds pretty good, actually. Uh, so maybe start there. If you can't start there, start somewhere. Just start. For many of you, maybe you've been given 10, you've been given 12. I'd encourage you to have some type of uh, ministry money meeting with your family this week and say, man, what do we want to give to? Let's give to the church. Let's give to some other stuff too. God's doing amazing things and I want to be a part of it. How can we be a part of it? How do we give? Website, we give to an envelope. How often should we give? Maybe when you get some, give some. Maybe that's a good model to follow. When you get some money, give some money. Just be faithful with it. Church, God's on mission to save the world. And he's invited us to be a part of that mission with him. It's not just something we do for him. We get to experience the mission of God with God himself. When we give to his mission, it's good. When we give to his mission, it's rewarding. When we give to his mission, it's worship. May he receive all the glory, honor, and praise for all of it. Let's pray. God, let us be a church who lives that mission let us be a church who gives to that mission as well. God, we are so thankful of all of the wonderful things that you've done through our partnership together here with Highlands Church. God, for those who are considering this morning, man, I think I want to I, I start giving to the mission. God, would you um, encourage them to act on that? and get involved and partner up and, and experience the amazing reward and experience what it's like to worship you through that, to experience partnering with you in the goodness of this mission. God, we respond now with praise. That's our, our whole life should be about your glory and your glory alone. So this morning, I ask that you would help us respond rightfully with loud and abundant worship. God, it's all for you. In Christ's name we pray. Hey dads, happy Father's Day. One of the best things you can give your kids over the course of their life is a dad who is hyper-focused on living the mission of Jesus. To see the lives transformed around him, would you be that dad? Would you be that example for your kids from this day on? Highlands Church, for God so loved the world that he what? He gave his only son. Okay, would we so love the world as God so loved the world and would we give? Would we partner with him on mission and see what God can do through our faithfulness and through our generosity? We love you guys. Go live on mission. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.